The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Well, an official good morning to you all this morning. It's great to see so many, many people here joining with us on this Special day. What a joy it is to have a baptism, let alone two. How good is it to finish off the year with baptisms? It's absolutely fantastic. Before I I start the message this morning, I'd like to uh, fill you all in as what's been happening here at the church over the past week. Some of you will be aware, some of you... Well, many of you will not. Um, our dear brother in Christ, Cooper Teo, passed away recently. And I learned that Cooper's cultural background is Tokelauan. Who has heard of Tokelau? Tavita, you have. <laughs> Tokelau is three, an area of three atolls in the Pacific Ocean. It's north of Samoa. To get there, it takes a 24 to 29-hour boat trip from Samoa. The highest point on the land is five metres above sea level. Cooper was Tuckalawan. And we, as a church, were able to open up our facilities so that the Tuckalawan people could come and honour and bury their their dear brother in a way that was in line with their cultural traditions. This place was overflowing on Friday with people who had come from over the seas and all over Australia to be here. The whole facility was used. The back hall was overflowing for a lunch, refreshments we might call it, it was a feast. So I would like to, on behalf of the family and all the people who gathered, it wouldn't have been possible for them to have so many people come and, and send Cooper off in the way they wanted to and needed to without this facility. So I'd like to say on behalf of them, thank you for being open-handed with what the Lord has entrusted to us, right? And it is my desire that this would happen more, that we would see that what we have here is what God has blessed us with as stewards of this resource. The number of times, and it happened even today, where people said to me, thank you, Pastor Mark, for allowing us to do this. So on behalf of Tokelauan people, thank you for making that possible. I learned that there's some translating work going on, has been going on for the past 30 years or so, to translate the Bible into the Tokelauan language. And in 2016, they completed and published the New Testament in Tokelauan. And the, the hope is, the plan is that in 2025, the task of translating the whole Bible into the Tokelauan language will be completed and published. 
The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ has changed Tokelau. It has had a huge influence on that culture. And what we've seen here today shows us the Lord Jesus Christ still changes and transforms lives today. The Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the most influential person to have ever walked the earth. There is no one like him. And the movement or revolution that started with Jesus, you might call it Christianity, has revolutionized the world. And has given us as Westerners, the, our society, the values that we would hold so dear. Or as Glenn Scrivener would put it in his recent book, The Air We Breathe, Christianity for us as Westerners is the air we breathe. It's like a goldfish in a fishbowl. The goldfish doesn't see the water. But that is its environment. We don't necessarily see the influence that Jesus is having on the world around us. But that is the environment we live in. That is the air we breathe. So what's so special about Jesus that would be able to claim that he's the most important person in history? And more importantly, as we we focus today, why is Jesus... Death, still changing people's lives 2,000 years on. How can one man's death still be having an impact today after two millennium? Well, I'm going to highlight just three things about Jesus' death this morning. If you, if you miss everything that I say, grab these three things, please. Jesus' death was no accident. It was a loving choice, and it was for your benefit. Jesus' death was no accident. It was a loving choice for your benefit. Let's start with the first one of those. Jesus' death was no accident. Jesus' death was part of a plan. And the plan that Jesus would die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin was not a last-minute scramble to a a bad situation at the fall. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction to something that had suddenly gone wrong. It wasn't a patch-up job or a stopgap measure. It was part of an incredible plan that was laid out before time began. As Acts 2 says, Jesus was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible to death, for death to keep its hold on him. The Apostle Peter says there, Jesus was handed over to you, handed over to be killed, to be crucified by God's deliberate 
plan and foreknowledge. That's not something that, that Peter has just plucked out of nowhere. Look what God says to the serpent back in Genesis 3. Look in verse 15 in particular. God says to Satan, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. You will strike his heel. As the dust is still settling after Adam and Eve disobey God. God says to Satan, guess what? Something's coming. It's already in place. God is just revealing the plan that he has had all along. Jesus' death was God's redemptive plan for mankind from the beginning. And consider this for a second. As part of God's creating work, he planted the tree that would be carved into his cross. As part of his creating work, he put the ore in the ground that would be cast into the nails that would pierce his hands and feet. As part of his creating work, he gave life to Judas who would grow to be a betrayer. But not only that, the fact that Pilate, Annas and Caiaphas would rise to their positions of power and authority That was all God's doing as well. It was all part of his plan. And this plan of God was not something that was kept hidden from Jesus. It wasn't just sprung on him at the last minute as though he found himself in a garden at night and all of a sudden he's he's confronted with some soldiers. Jesus was acutely aware of the plan and he was partner to it. Look at what he says to his disciples in Mark chapter 10. He took them aside and told them what was going to happen. He said, we're going up to Jerusalem, he said. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Jesus was well aware of what was going to happen. And before the fact, he is revealing it to his disciples. In fact, God has been revealing his plan right throughout the Old Testament. For years, his prophets have been saying what was going to be happening. And Jesus says so again to his disciples after his resurrection. Told in Luke 24. Jesus says to them, how foolish you are 
And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, that's the law, that's the first five books of the Bible. And all the prophets, that's the rest of the Bible, the Old Testament. Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus' death was no accident, friends. It was part of God's incredible plan, his redemptive plan for humanity set out from before the beginning. But not only that, it was Jesus' loving choice. Jesus died willingly. He wasn't dragged to his death. He followed the soldiers. And you could say that the ropes that they used to bind Jesus were unnecessary. They didn't need to tie him. He was going that way anyway. Lead the way. I'm here to follow The fact that it was Jesus' loving choice is seen also in Matthew 26, where Jesus lets his disciples know that he's in fact let the angel armies of heaven stand down. He's taken them off high alert. He says in verse 53, Do you not think, sorry, do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal, my disposal, more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? 12 legions of angels. Do you reckon that'd bring a bit of shock and awe to that dark night? Jesus is saying, that is what is available to me. I'm choosing to let it be. This is the way we must go. Jesus' death on the cross was a sacrifice Jesus made of his own choosing, friends. John chapter 10, verses 17 to 18. Jesus says, The reason not my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And I have the authority to do so. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. What do you picture in your mind when you hear of the act of laying something down? Well, my mind goes to maybe you've gotten home after a late night as a family, late night out. As dad, it's your job to pick up the sleeping young ones in the back and take them to their room. And so you carefully and deliberately pick them up and carry them, making sure you don't hit their head on the door frame as you pass through. 
you cradle their head in their back as you gently lay them down on their pillow and tuck them into bed. Carefully considered and intentional actions motivated by love. Well, the context in which Jesus says, I lay down my life, is a context of sacrifice. In that context, Jesus laying down of his own life is also an intentional and deliberate act. He too is laying down something that is very precious, very valuable. However, Jesus' sacrifice, with with his sacrifice, what he lays down is his own life, not someone else's. His life is laid down in place of ours. His death is actually a sacrificial offering for our sin. It too is a carefully considered and intentional act, motivated by love. It's a loving choice. And finally, Jesus' death was for our benefit. Romans chapter 5 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just chew on this for a, for a second. Jesus knows you. The real you. Just as you are right now. Just as you have been before today. He knows you. He knows what you've done. He knows what you've thought. He knows the secret things. He knows the stuff not even your partner knows, not even your kids, the stuff you can keep hidden. He knows the real you. And knowing you, he loves you. And knowing you and loving you, he dies for you. See, Jesus' death was God's plan. A loving choice for your benefit. Jesus' death 2,000 years ago was God's plan and a loving choice for your benefit. 
And we can't just let that slide, can we? It calls for a response. How can you know that and just put it on the shelf and let it be? We need to respond to that. We need to respond to what we've heard today. We need to respond to what we've seen today. And your response will be either to accept it for yourself or to reject it as unnecessary. You can choose to allow the death of Jesus Christ and what he offers you the forgiveness of sin, relationship with God, with life itself. You can choose to accept that for yourself. Or you can just palm it off and say, I don't need it. If you're going to palm it off, I'll leave that with you. I want to talk to the people who are willing to accept it today. How might you accept it? We accept Jesus' death for us by admitting our sinfulness and our need for a saviour. Own up to who we are, our mistakes. Owning up to and admitting that we are in fact deserving of death. Because God holds us to his perfect standard and we all fall short of that, friends. Only one person has walked this earth and lived up to God's standard and he laid down his life for you. One John one says if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins though, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Are you willing to admit that you're in need of a saviour today? Are you willing to confess your sins to God? Accepting it will also mean believing in Jesus, believing that he is the eternal son of God. And as the eternal son of God, his perfect sacrificial death for the forgiveness of your sins is the only way to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Have you believed in Jesus? After admitting that you need saving, that you are a sinner who doesn't meet God's standard, and believing in Jesus, you need to commit to following Jesus as Lord of your life. That means allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you and change you 
so that your life is then shaped to be one that looks more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. This means having your desires, your motivations, your priorities, having these things all reorganised by the Holy Spirit so that you will live according to Jesus' desires, his motivations and his priorities. Have you done that? Are you willing to? That's something you're willing to do today. There's a few things you could do, a few roads you might want to take. First of all, you might pray. Prayer is just speaking to God. He knows you. You don't need to use fancy words. Just use your words to him. Own up to who you are. Confess it to him openly. Trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and commit to following him as Lord of your life. Something you could do just personally. Are you willing to pray today? Or maybe you don't think you're there yet. Maybe you'd prefer to talk to someone. It might be a Christian friend that you've come along with today. Someone that you know loves and follows Jesus. Maybe you'd be willing to talk to them about it to find out more. If you don't have someone you think you could talk to, I'm going to be down the front here after the service. Feel free to come and talk to me. I won't bite. Maybe you think talking about you're not there yet. Mark, I'd prefer something that's just another step back. Are you you willing to read something? Do you have a Bible? I've had access to the Bible for years and in so many different formats. There are some Bibles sitting out in the foyer. And they are free. You are welcome to take one. And if all the ones on top of the of the credenza there go, there's more underneath. I'll grab them for you. Free to take. If you want to know where to start reading, might I suggest the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament might be a good place to start. You can also listen back to some of the sermons we preached from the start of the Gospel of Mark. You find that just by looking at the contents at the front of the Bible. It'll tell you what page it's on. Maybe you think, Mark, I'm not sure I, I want to read the Bible just yet. Well, I've got two other options for you. One's a bit thicker, one's a bit thinner. Glenn Scrivener, who I quoted before, has written a book called 321, The Story of God, the World and You. When you read this, you'll find it's like having a conversation with him. And he'll lay it all out for you. So that is available. There's some copies of that up there you are welcome to take. Free to you. Well, there's another book, a little bit thinner, more more sort of my length, called Love Story, also by Glenn Scrivener. Free for you to take. Have a read. 
And as you read, maybe just say, Lord, speak to me. Like Lyris shared, show me who you are. Show me the truth. I'm sure he'll say to you, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, finally, let me finish this thing. We've witnessed baptisms here today. Maybe like Mark, I've, I'm there. I'm the Lord's. But I haven't publicly declared that. I haven't gone through the waters of baptism yet. I would, I want to make that commitment. I want to stand up, show some courage and share my story with others. I want to show that I'm committed to following Jesus. If that's you today, I would encourage you to talk to someone. Talk to Pastor Isaac. Talk to me. Or if it's after today, talk to one of the elders or a home group leader or someone you know. Someone who stood up on stage this morning, I'm sure they'd be happy to talk to you about it. But do something today. Respond in some way. Let me pray. The loving Lord and Heavenly Father, it's Lord, we can see how it's possible for you to transform history. That through the power of your spirit, you are still transforming lives today. We've heard about that this morning. Many of us can testify to that in our own lives. Lord, I thank you that you have made it abundantly clear to us through your word. That this has been your plan all along. That Jesus Christ is your plan A, there is no plan B for saving humanity. To bringing us into relationship with you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your death was your own loving choice. It was your decision. But the words thank you don't seem adequate to express that this was your decision, your loving decision for our benefit. We cannot fathom how the God of the universe would lay down his life for human beings, sinful human beings, yet you've done it. And you call all of us, no matter what walk of life we are, you know who we are and you call us to respond to your gift, your offer of forgiveness for sin of fellowship with life itself. I thank you, Lord. And Father, one last request. I pray that your Holy Spirit will be at work in lives here today.
Father, there is someone here. No doubt several. There are people watching online who have not yet accepted your sacrifice for them. Father, only the power of your Holy Spirit can transform lives. Only the power of your Holy Spirit can open eyes and open ears to the truth of who you are. I pray that you'd be doing that today. And may I be as bold to ask, Father, that through us, your people gathered here as a congregation at North Pine Baptist Church, I pray that would you be doing that through us to those around us? To our neighbours, those we... We muck around with at school, those we work with, our family, our friends. Would you work through us to open their eyes and ears to the truth of who you are and what you have done? Father, I know you'll be at work. I know that your spirit is working. So I give you thanks for answering our prayers in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.